When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All you need is a ball. The official podcast of the WFFA. I'm Daniel Rosenbaum and welcome to the world of freestyle. Are you guys ready? I've been freestyling for 15 years and for me, it's the best sport in the world. Yes! Oh yeah! That was insane! Oh yes! During my time, I have met some incredible characters, and on this podcast, we will find out more about their amazing stories. All I need is a microphone, and all you need is a bowl. All you need is a bowl. In today's episode, I'm talking to Philip Warren Getson, aka PWG. PWG have been in the game for a very long time, but I don't think he's ready yet to give up. So what I wanted to do is that I wanted to compete a lot, because this is my last year was my idea. I was ready to quit in 2022, but I can't quit by showing the, the horrible level that I did in the Super Bowl. That's not going to be my legacy. Throughout the years, Philip has struggled with quite a few injuries and sometimes he's wondering, is it all worth it? Tedious, boring training, is it going to be worth it when I stand there as a champion? I've always thought about this myself. Is it going to be worth it? I spend so much time training. But if I train the same every single day, I might just well quit. All right, let's hear from the man himself, BWG. I'm here with the one and only freestyle legend, PWG. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. What's up, man? I'm tired. <laughs> How are you? I'm also a bit tired, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here in Pula for the Rebel Street Style World Final. And um, I'm, exci I'm excited to talk to you. So uh, how have you been uh, recently? Oh, uh, really bad. Really bad? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have an injury right now. Um, yes. And as a freestyler, an injury is one of the worst things you can, you know, you can have. So It is, um, but I hope you still keep the spirit up. Do you think you have any chance of winning? No. <laughs> no chance of winning. All right. But before we start talking about the world final, you've been in the game for how long? 15 years, maybe? Yeah, freestyling for 16 years, soon 17. Yeah. So did it go as planned? Like if you, if 16-year-old if uh, Philip would... You know, you know what I mean? I mean, the thing is that when I started freestyle, I didn't expect me to uh, doing this for both uh, a job yes. or, a, you know, competing in it at a world stage. Because first of all, didn't exist a job in 2006 that was, oh, football freestyler. There was no competitions at all either. It was just like a bunch of dudes doing skills <laughs> and uploading that on a, on a forum on the internet. That's yeah. it. I remember we used to talk a yeah, lot. Yeah, we used to talk a lot and you know you had connections with people all over the world, but there was no real like goal to it. So uh aimless 14-year-old PWG had no idea what 31-year-old PWG would accomplish. No. And would you say you it, it it is better than you thought it could be or is it you had no expectation whatsoever? I mean, I started freestyle because I was bored. Like I was training football 
five times a, a week. Mm -hmm. I was playing games. Um, but a lot of people in my neighborhood didn't want to play football yes. with me or yes. in general. So yes. I was like, okay, so how can I play football alone? So I started juggling. You mean because there wasn't enough people, basically? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, it was a shitty pitch. There wasn't a lot to do. And I was playing football in a club in the city and I was linked for quite far outside the city. Which was where? I used to live in Gantofta, outside yes. Helsingborg in southern Sweden. So mm -hmm. not a lot to do. So freestyle was like an escape for me. So, yes. and also at the same time for me to be able to become better at actually playing football. Mm -hmm. And that then that kind of took over and I started freestyling more than playing football. Yes. And I was like, this is more fun. And I didn't see far into the future of what I wanted to do or mm -hmm. what, you know, freestyle was going to become for me. Yes. So I, I didn't have a plan. And if to answer your question, did it, you know, did it meet my expectations? Mm -hmm. uh, no, it exceeded my expectations. I never knew that I could travel the world uh, doing this. I just thought that, you know, this is going to be a hobby for the rest of my life. I'm never going to play football again. Yes. Um, and then I'm going to get a real job and, you know, <laughs> a nine to five in an office. So speaking about getting a real job, did you ever feel any pressure from your surroundings, your parents, your family, friends, like, oh, Philip, get a real job. You get I, that? I mean, I've always had that. I mean, yeah. because it, a lot of people still don't think that freestyle is a real job. Yes. And um, so, so tell, tell us, what is it? What do you do? <laughs> so actually right now I have a real job apart yes. from freestyle, yes. uh, which is a social media manager at Unisport mm -hmm. in Denmark. So I, I edit videos, I upload them on TikTok, and uh, well, a lot of it is actually doing freestyle. So yes. they kind of intertwine into each other. So that's, that's, nice. that's really nice. Um, but it is a real job. But also a lot of people would think that five years ago, six years ago, that doing TikTok or Instagram is not a real job either. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know. As oh, time... definitely. I was one of them. Before. Exactly. And as time passes, you know, these new types of jobs, they emerge from out of nowhere. So I think that, you know, becoming a freestyler has, you know, living off freestyle has been kind of normalized. And people around me, they don't think that it's super weird anymore that wow. I can spend three, four hours in the gym training and still travel the world and do, you know, whatever I want. But also, I guess it's because you're proven that you actually can pay your rent, that you can yeah. make a living of it. So, But on the other hand, I mean, I spent from age 14 to age, I would want to say 21, earning next to nothing, yes. but spending so much time training and perfecting, you know, what I do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of uh, a lot of years of unpaid labor. If, uh, you know, if you yes. can put it like but that. But that's also, I don't know if you had the discussion also with like, when you do a gig, for example, when people go like, oh, it's only a five minute show and you're still charging us 1000 euros. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's 15 years of practicing that, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like any other job that takes a lot of time to get into. You can't just wake up one night and uh, one morning and say, I want to become a freestyler. And then boom, you become a freestyler. It, it's not like that. It took me a lot of years to like, I'm still working on perfecting, you know, things in my shows, mm -hmm. uh, in competitions, also in like videos on social media. Yes. So I don't feel like I've perfected my craft and I don't think I ever will, but mm -hmm. I think that's the part of the journey that I always want to become better than I was yesterday. That was actually one of my questions. It's good that you bring it up because I always wonder how do you stay motivated? Because you've been at the top for since, let's say since 2011, you've been since Kuala Lumpur, you've been competing with the big guys. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? 
Do you want to hear the truth? Yeah. Okay. You so don't. <laughs> I'm motivated, but it's not because I want to win a competition. Yeah. A lot of people might be disappointed when they hear this, yeah. but it's not because I want to win a competition. It's because I love freestyle, but it's because every day I go out and I want to explore something new about freestyle. Yes. And that's how it started in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And now it's a routine. Yes. If I don't go out and freestyle, yeah. I just want to, you know, disappear. It feels like my head is going to explode if I don't uh, freestyle. Okay. So it's almost like an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... It would be nice to win the world championships, but I feel like uh, mental health and how you, you know, act is more important than, you know, winning. So me yeah. training for three, four hours a day, I don't want to train for that title. I want to train for myself. Yes. And if I can get that title, you know, as a byproduct mm-hmm. of that, nice, great. But I want to do this for myself. And um, so it's not really about winning titles, but do you, in terms of competition, do you still have some goals I mean, after all these uh, years? Obviously, the goal is always to win every battle, every single battle. Yes. And like, but I feel like it, it's not that it's unattainable. Yeah. It's just that I don't think I don't know if it's worth it in the oh, end. Okay. All that time of like tedious, boring training is it going to yes. be worth it when I stand there as a champion? I've always thought about this myself. Is it going to be worth it? And I spend so much time training. But if I train the same routine, same battle, same 30-second round every single day, I might just well quit. Yeah. You know? And it's also that it also maybe you have to go away from yourself a little bit. Because after having this much experience, you know exactly how to win a tournament. There's a recipe for winning tournaments. Yeah, I know the recipe. Yes, I that's just what I mean, you know the recipe. I just don't like the recipe. It's yeah. like, you know, knowing the recipe of someone else's favorite dish, but it's not your favorite dish. So why are, why do you want to cook it every day? Very good example. Yeah. You so, just don't want to do that. No, because I yeah. still, when I, when I go out training now, mm-hmm. I still try to create a new move, try to push something that someone has never done before. Yes. Something like that. And it's, it's motiv- like, I feel like I'm motivating myself to push myself to the next level. And if you're, when you put yourself in a competition setting, if you're pushing yourself into your next level and then comparing yourself to someone else, you know, your development kind of diminishes because every time you lose a battle, you kind of lose a little bit of hope of what you have accomplished, of what yes. you created in a training. Wow. So... When I make a video, yes. I make my best tricks of whatever year it is. Oh, I love when you do that. So for the people that, that don't know, Philip does like a longer video of all his best tricks throughout the year, right? Yeah, and you say longer and it's like one minute, 45 seconds. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's longer than in, in these, these days. days where people just go bam, 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 yeah. bam, 12 second uh, trick. Yeah, and I make that every single year. I drop it on the 31st of December and every year I want to make it better than last year. Yes. And the good thing about that is that that video is a product of the battle that I have against myself. So in a few months, I'm going to be dropping the best tricks of 2022, which is a simply on-hand battle against best tricks of 2021, which which for me was like extremely difficult. Good. It it was some tricks in there took so long to make. Just one trick could have taken like 17 hours of just 
wow. just straight on trying one move. Yes. Um, and a lot of them, you know, gave me injuries and stuff. But seeing the end product of that is what makes me proud and what keeps me going. Interesting. So before we started to uh, to record this podcast, I wrote down the word community mm-hmm. because for me, you're like a real community type of guy. Maybe you can talk a little bit about this. Um, yeah, I mean, freestyle community for me has always been like one of the most important parts of freestyle because you could travel the world, you can meet someone in another country, you don't speak the same language, but you can still communicate with the universal language of freestyle. And I also love the fact that like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, even today, you could write on a forum saying, I'm going to X country. And you're like, oh, can I stay at someone's house? And then you'd have like three, four freestyles saying, oh, you can stay at my house, you can stay at my house. And then you'd kind of make a tour around. And I've stayed at so many freestylers houses. People that I've never met before. But even also down here in the lobby, you you high five people that you kind of think you know, but either you know them from the internet or you don't know them at all. But there's a vibe, right? Today, all of the guys I've met before. Yes. But I've met people before that I've all only talked to on the internet. And, you know, you feel like you've known them for quite a long time because you've talked online. And yes. this community, because freestyle is so small compared to, you know, football. Yes. Um, we kind of have to stick together in a different way in order to make... We have to own the game kind of also together. We have to be the change. Like traveling to a different country, you host freestyles you've never met before. You stick together, you train together, you do stuff for the next generation in freestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just try to do all of that to make the next generation, you know, to give the next generation of freestyle the things that I never had when I started. Because we never really had... A close-knitted community in 2006. I was training by myself with Simon, a friend, and that was it. You had no one to look up to in yes. terms of learning from tutorials. You had Pale, obviously, that you looked up to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Timo, Ratinho, Tuzani, and those guys. But apart from that, you never had the community that could back you up and 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 lift you up. Yes, basically. and it was also harder to improve. Yeah, that's why if, if you look at my first, like, for what, four years of freestyle yeah. and you compare that with, like, Luca. Caravezio's first four years of freestyle. Oh, that like, was crazy. But he's special also. But he's, yeah. he's extremely yeah. special. So I can't really compare that. But yeah. the, the level difference there is insane. There's also a downside to this. Of course. I mean, everything is there. So it's harder to use your brain as well. Like. Yeah, you kind of fall into like um, a path yes. where everyone else is going. Um, and I think also that made me realize that you can go your own path and you can... Uh, help other people attain the same thing by you know by giving them the tools that they need to go their own path so for example in in malmo where i live Mm -hmm. we have weekly trainings uh we invite you know everyone to come and that's how like ranik like yoye edwin before they uh, got really tall (laughs) yeah like when there was like small kids like the the current swedish champion uh i met him as an 11 year old yes and he was like i can do around the world uh how can you teach me another trick and then he joined me and the other guys mm-hmm. for for trainings like actual like right. real trainings first not... they show up with their parents and yeah. stuff yeah and now now they're one of us even though he can do, just do like one or two around the world yeah, yeah, yeah. and that made him you know really hyped about the sport but also we pushed him into train whatever you want yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna give you some pointers but train whatever you want 
And if you look back at your career, is there a certain point where you thought, hey, maybe maybe I can be like up there with the best guys? Was there a certain competition or or moment or yeah, year? So the, so the thing is that a lot of people say, oh, we started from the bottom and everything. Yes. Um, but I was, I don't know if I'm lucky or unlucky, but the first international tournament I ever entered. You won. I won. Yes. So I basically started at the top. Which was? Pujitsa yes. in in Pujitsa, yes. Pujitsa football freestyle tournament in Poland, in yeah. Poland 2009. Um, I won that competition. You did a lot of uppers, I remember still. Yeah, and my uppers were horrible. Um, I funky hair, a lot of you know big hair, a lot of energy, yes. stealing a lot of tricks. Like I didn't know, I didn't have that um, concept of of stealing and biting. It didn't really exist in 2009. I still think you had a Philip style. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, I you won. know how you sometimes can mix other tricks from other people and still make it a bit your own? Yeah, I tried to like at least go a little bit off. Yeah. But I won that tournament and then I was like, I, I, would, I would say I'm top five in the world. And then I realized, yeah. no, you're so far away from top five in the world. You just had a day, you know? And then the same year I was in a Prague Grand Prix, which is yeah. now called Super Bowl. Yeah, I was there. Um, in 2009, I made it to the finals and I battled Scora. Oh, yes. Uh, but okay. this was the time when you, when you, you know, spaffed out Super Bowl in just one day. Yes. In just one single day. So Different we started, time. started in like 11, 10 and 11 in the morning and we ended at like 10 in the evening. Um, I didn't have the physical ability to do that. Okay. Scora absolutely smoked me in the final. Okay. And I was like, okay, so a win mm -hmm. and a second place. I'd say I'm in the top <laughs> top three in the world. <laughs> and then after that, 2010, Pujitsa tournament, again, third place. I was like, oh, I'm just getting worse. Yes. Oh, really? Did it, I never realized it felt like that for yeah. you. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Prague Grand Prix again, and then I lost in top eight. Yes. And I was like, I'm really getting worse. I was like, okay, I, I need to figure it out, right? Yes. So in the beginning of 2011, I was like... I'm going to quit freestyle. I'm going to get back to football. Oh, right. So um, it was actually in on vacation in May mm -hmm. of 2011. I was with Shelgren, an yes. old Swedish oh, freestyle right. legend. Yes, yes. Uh, we were on vacation in um, in Greece. Yeah. And we were training a little bit. I think we for the whole week, I had one session with him. Okay. We're like, we didn't do freestyle. Just drinking. <laughs> Just drinking, chilling, yeah, yeah. you know, sightseeing. And then we were like, I got a call. I got a call from Lucaso. Yes. And I was like, what? He, he, was, he was like, check your email. I was like, okay, check my email. Oh. And he says, oh, you're hereby invited to the WFC in Kuala Lumpur. Yes. Because you have, you know, you've, you've done you well. You proved in, yourself. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've proved yourself. But uh, I later found out that I was actually a substitute for someone else. <laughs> Which is funny because I Who was, was also, what? I, can't remember. I think it was John Farnworth. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Or no, no, it was Scora. Um, because Scora was not allowed to travel to Kuala Lumpur. You know, that tournament, I mean, we, we get back to this story uh, later on, but this tournament has been, I, I've talked to other people and this, this was a very significant tournament for many other people. Because I would say it's the best tournament ever made. Like interesting organization, um, the vibe and everything around it. Yes. Like obviously not the level yes. compared to now, but it was just amazing. Because, for example, I, I remember that Christian Kwana, you know, the, the guy from South Africa, he told me that he was so upset that there wasn't an African. 
It, I, he didn't say it didn't have to be me, but it could have been uh, I don't know somewhere else. Kamala was Kamala there? I can't remember. No. no so there was no African, basically. I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he said it was so upset that he lost all motivation because of that, mm -hmm. and I think also because of that reason that it was so professional. It felt like we were taking things to the next level there. Yeah, that was like kind of one of the first times I've ever seen freestyle at such a big stage. Yes. It was like on primetime TV in Malaysia. We did like autograph sessions. I just have a, I found a photo of me autographing someone's bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> like someone brought a bowling ball to the mall and wanted oh, like 20 year old PWG to just sign it. Nice. I was like, yeah, sure. All you need is a ball. What's good? I'm PWG. You're listening to All You Need Is A Ball, the official WFA podcast. So right now you live in Malmö, right? Yes. So where, where did you grow up? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I grew up in Oslo, Norway. Because this seems sometimes a little bit confusing, like where is he from? Is yeah, he? I mean, even even uh, Steve Gray put the wrong flag <laughs> next to my name in Super Bowl this year. Shout out to Steve. Uh, he does his best. <laughs> but um, yeah, so a lot of people don't really know the, the roots of, of me. Um, I'm born in Norway to a Norwegian mother and a Filipino father. But when I was 10 years old, I moved to Sweden uh, with my mom. And then I spent a lot of my time there until I moved to, to Malmo because I got a, a job in Copenhagen. Nice, to make it even more confusing. Yeah, so yeah. now I'm Mr. Scandinavia. Uh, so does, does it, do you think that it helps you in your freestyle? The fact that you lived in different places, have several cultural backgrounds, you think that helps? I mean, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But I don't think it makes like a significant difference. I just feel like um, it makes me more social. Yeah. Like, because I, I speak Norwegian, Danish, English, um, all of those fluent. Yeah. So like in the Scandinavian countries, I can get by without any hiccups. So being able to be that kind of community man in three different countries just helps me quite a lot. I guess it also makes you more of an open-minded person in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can, I, I always help out. I try to come to Denmark um, every once in a while to do jams with them, invite the Danish guys over to Sweden yeah. um, because I can communicate with them quite well. Yeah. Um, and if I couldn't, I don't think I would be that open to train with them that much. That makes sense. So speaking about uh, the Philippines, you you had a, your own project called Skill in Manila. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm actually representing the Philippines in in international competitions uh, because of my father's uh, roots. Well, he's from the Philippines. Yes. Um, but he lives in Norway. He lives in yeah, Norway. Yeah, yeah. He, he lives half time in Norway, half time in the Philippines. Oh, the winter, I guess. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> so the thing is that. Um, I was on vacation. I've been to Philippines quite a few times, but as a kid, I never went a lot. But one time, I think I was like 17 or 18, I went to the Philippines mm -hmm. and I uh, I Googled, base, I didn't know uh, like how big freestyle was in other countries. So I Googled football freestyle tournament uh, Manila yes. in the Philippines. And I was like, uh, there's nothing. But there seemed to be like some football skills event at this mall so i was like i told my uncle drive me there it's like a three hour drive yes. he drove me to the mall and i thought it was i actually thought it was going to be a freestyle competition because yeah. it's a skill challenge yes. and i was like freestyle skill obviously it's a freestyle competition so i just rocked up to the mall and i see a lot of people with footballs and yes. i was like i just 
came up to them and was like, hey, who's the freestyler? Yeah. And then they just looked at, looked at me confused and like, this guy can do around the world. And then a guy did around the world. Yes. And I was like, is that it? Yeah. And then I did back around the world, Mitch, no touch, yeah, combo. Like, like, what, they were like, what is going on? And then we started talking. I did some performances there. It was a skill challenge was basically just running through cones. Okay, yes. uh, but it was basically a workshop. And all of these kids were from a uh, part of Manila called Tondo, mm -hmm. which is a very, very uh, poverty-stricken area in Manila. And I got, you know, became good friends with these people, right? Yes. So uh, I got one guy's number. Uh, and he invited me to go to Tondo to play street football. Mm -hmm. And the day after, I told my dad that I'm going to Tondo because I'm going to play street football. He says, don't guys. go. He's like, you're not going. Never. Don't go. And I was like, why? Because you're going to get stabbed. You're going to get robbed. You're going to get killed. You're oh. going to get kidnapped. So that bad is a ghetto, basically. It's it's one of the like worst places oh, yeah. in in the Philippines. It's it's really densely populated, mm -hmm. um, and it's really poor. But usually they have a great community spirit oh, in places yeah. like that. But that's the thing that people outside that yeah. they don't know that. So I basically lied to my dad and I said, "I'm going to the mall." Yes. And then I met my friend at the mall. We took a taxi there. Yeah. Um, I met with these people and I thought they were amazing. And I saw that there was a need for help. Yes. For um, for for someone to to look at them in a different way than than my dad did, right? Yes. So uh, next year I came back. I got a sponsorship from Adidas. Mm -hmm. They sponsored with like uh, clothes, uh, with uh, footballs, with shoes to to the kids. Um, and that's when I started, I was like, I need to do this on a regular basis. So I started skill in Manila. So I basically gone back there every year with, you know, with either footballs, used shoes, even new shoes yeah, yeah. Um, to give out to them. But also, you know, being able to teach them a little bit of football, a little bit of freestyle, a little bit of street football and, the, you know, kind of teaching them to become teachers. So uh, one of the guys that are that are, that are there, Dennis, he's he's the, the the heart of the whole football community there. Nice. So even now like on a on a weekly basis we catch up and we we so try nice. to do something but but because of what happened like with the covid and everything yes. haven't been able to go, but I've gone every year at least once between 2010 and 20 I got the cap man at home. Oh yeah, oh, I sold the the hats, right? Yeah, yeah the yeah. skill and vanilla hats. Yes. So all of the money from the hats that I sold, uh even the kits that I sold um, are nice. just going straight into their, you know, um, training facility, uh, bibs, and yeah, and yeah. and right now they're um, the football kit that they have, uh, both the youth team and the uh, the men's team, um, it's sponsored by me. Awesome. So um, that's not the money that, like, if you donate to Skill in Manila, that's not the money that goes into the kit. Mm. the The kit is basically paid for by Forevolution, my brand. So it's actually my own money that goes into there, but also the donated money goes into the club. Um, so for that reason, I think it's the best way for me to give back because I can't be there like three months and actually do good. Mm -hmm. I want to, but I can't because, you know, got to train. So um, I try to do it from afar. Great. Awesome. Uh, so you already mentioned it like a little bit. You have your own brand. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean... I don't know what to say, basically, but uh, I started my own freestyle brand in 2019. Mm -hmm. 
um, mostly because which is called for evolution. Yes. Um, um, two words: forever evolution, always evolving. That's yeah. uh, that's the mantra of our of the brand. Um, but I started in 2019 because I kind of wanted I, I wanted to have ownership of something. Yes. Um, it's not that I really wanted to just have a brand, mm-hmm. but um, I decided that because in 2017 or even 16, I was like, oh, I want to make a hat. Yeah. That's because uh, the Skillet Manila hat really inspired me to like, oh, I want to do something by myself. Yeah. Um, and then I, I didn't know the name. I didn't know what I wanted to have as a logo and everything. And I was like, is Revolution the right name? Is it the right logo? And I was like, wait, it's called Forever Evolution, for yeah. Evolution. So why not start now and then aim for development in the future so i was like okay let's go 2019 without any like thought about the future i just started um my my first t-shirt and my first big collection it was a huge mistake because i made way too many t-shirts i still have a stock from 2019 but you learn right um i now realize that i could have made it a lot simpler for myself but i i live and learn in general that doesn't seem your thing you don't like it simple no that's why is I'll, that your personality so are you a perfectionist um i i would i want to say that i am but i'm also um how would you what, what do you call that um i'm procrastinating a okay. lot so i'm a perfectionist but i'm also procrastinating so seeing perfection like in front of you mm-hmm. i'm always like pushing what i have to do yeah. far in front of me but i've i've started to work with the 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 you know especially the perfectionist part is that i I kind of deal with the imperfections that both, you know, my freestyle has, but also that the the brand has. Obviously, not the quality, but mm-hmm. the, you know, the design could have been better. Yeah, it could have. Always, it could have been better. But if I always think about it, that it could have been better, then if I reached that point, mm-hmm. it also could have been better there. But it's always better to get started imperfect than having to wait 10, 20 years for perfection because. Mm-hmm. If you start imperfect, you already started at least. So I don't know. It's always evolving, but mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever reach perfection in anything. Uh, and I don't think that's attainable at all. So so one thing I want to talk about you, you know, I've known you for many, many years and I've never seen you as disappointed as at the Asian Championships when you lost. We don't have to go into the details and exactly, but like, like how do you cope with, with this, like l- losing basically? So, um, as you know, you, you've known me and you've seen me battle for quite some time. Um, I'm, I've been losing quite a lot. Um, not in the term of like losing every battle, but it's like losing, Almost there. W- losing when you shouldn't be losing like bad judgments, um, bad days, mm-hmm. but mostly bad judgments. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on the, on the receiving end of bad judgments more than I would say most, I so would you had say. Your fair share. I've had my fair share of like, what yeah. is going on here? Yeah. But um, I wasn't there at the Asian Championships, but I've I've seen that that I've never seen you that disappointed. Yeah, that that was bad. Um, so Asian Championships twenty. Um, if we go all the way back, um, I think it was the first Asian Championship in twenty thirteen, was mm-hmm. in Vietnam. That was uh, moved indoor because of rainfall and everything. Yeah. I was really disappointed because I lost in top 16 yes. against uh, Balshi from Palestine. The next year, I win. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, 20, uh, 
14. Mm -hmm. And then 2015, I lose the final yes. against Koske. Yes. That was fair. 2016, uh, I win against Yo. And then 2018 comes around in Vietnam. I reach the final and before the competition, I tell myself that this might be my last battle. If I win this, this is going to be my last battle. Traveling all over the world on my own expense and then having to, you know, do this, do that and tra training only for competitions. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. But I want to go out with a bang. I want to win. And I thought I won. I lost 2-1. I was super disappointed, obviously. Yes. And you don't really know how to cope with it until you're there. Yes. And then for me, the only way to cope with it was apathy. Yes. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Well, you it's, did care. I did care. Yeah. But the only way that I could cope with it myself is to, to convince myself that I don't care. Yeah. I pick myself up. I go back, car, but go back home. I train, I train, I train. And then we got Asian Championships next year, 2019. And there's no, nothing else than a gold medal here. Yes. Nothing else. You came to win. I came to win. Yeah. I go against Ibuki in the final and I lose. Yes. Two one again. Again. And at this point, I'm like, the, there is something wrong because I thought I won both. Yes. I have no issue with admitting that I lost a battle. I've lost a lot of battles that I think that the judgment was fair. Mm -hmm. But I've, you know, out of all the battles that I've lost, yeah. I've never have seen. I've never seen as bad of a judgment as those two, and they were like riveting, like career-changing yeah. judgments yeah. and for the judges themselves they don't see the um the effect that it had mm. on me mm -hmm. and my my life and 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 actually you know as a judge is is really difficult and in the moment there's you know crowd uh, interaction and everything yeah. that is uh, such so a big factor how did you lift yourself up back from that like how did you bounce back i i just had to focus on other stuff yeah. like i mean uh, I just came from the Philippines yeah. to Shangsha, mm -hmm. and I didn't know. Like I, I just now I wanted to focus on best tricks of yes. 2019. So I just went home and I buried my head in that. And after that, it was like on it again. It's 2020. Let's start. And then, what happened in 2020? Cool. Go, yeah. So, <laughs> so my idea was that okay. So Asian Championships 2020. That's gonna be my last one. Yes. And I'm gonna win. And it never happened again. And never happened. No. Um, and then I've always thought like, okay, so I need to set a date. I need, uh, I, I need to put a an ending to like battles or competitions, yeah. right? Uh, but I never really found a good reason to quit. I mean, I enjoy freestyle. I enjoy competing, but I don't enjoy competing as much as I enjoy training. I have a question. Hmm. It's Super Bowl. Me, but also other people thought when you took the mic that you were going to say this was my last competition. It wasn't just me. A lot of people no, thought yeah, that. I, I Did you do it on purpose or no? No. Um, or was it actually crossing your... Um, no, but I think that because I got the recognition that I was the only one who's been competing for that many years. Yeah, you're Mr. Year. Super Bowl, basically. Yeah, I've been there. It's only me and Lucaso and Miran, right? Yes, I who's, think so, yeah. But I've been competing every year. Um, and I just wanted to assure people that I'm coming back next year. Because yeah. at, th at that time, I thought, ah, that was very close. Even though I lost a semi against um, Ireland, yeah. I thought I, you know, I could have won that battle if I didn't mess up in the end. Yeah. Um, but then he like came back strong and, you know, he won fair and square. Yeah. So 
at that time, I wasn't disappointed, but I thought I had more to give. Um, and I still do. But I wanted 2022 to be my last one. But then, hip injuries. Okay, so you did consider it. That was the idea. So I don't know if you knew, but Red Bull Street Cell this year is my sixth competition this year. Yes. So what I wanted to do is that I wanted to just compete a lot. Yes. Because this is my last year. Was my idea. Okay. Do we have a scoop? No, no scoop. Because I was like, <laughs> because then then I I I won. Um, Daytona. I won Daytona. I won Ghetto Games in Prague. Yeah, I won this. Fire. I won seven moves in Helsingborg. So that's three out of three in yeah. the beginning of the year. Uh, but after Daytona, I got a hip injury, a oh, groin man. injury. So I couldn't do any around the world. No lowers at all. And that's July. That's third of July. Yes. And that kind of messes you up. Yes. So I, the Ghetto Games final, I lose in the final controversial decision another 2-1 yes um, always the bloody 2-1 isn't it two yeah. ones and then i um i lose a super bowl in top 16 yes. but i guess i can't do any lowers yeah. so i was ready to quit in 2022 but i can't quit by showing the the horrible level that i did in super bowl that's not going to be my legacy what's pwg doing in five years i'll still be training but i don't think i'll be competing probably not It was awesome talking to PWG today and I really hope he has many years in freestyle football left. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to the show because there are more awesome guests on the way that I can't wait for you to hear. You can also check out the WFFA website and social channels on Twitch, YouTube and Instagram as well. And remember, all you need is a ball. Podcast Network.